time. So thank you for the opportunity to be here. In the book of Romans chapter 8, I'm going to read verse 11. The book of Romans chapter 8 and verse 11. Uh, we welcome everyone, uh, first time, second time, third time guests, and then all of you that have also been here a while. We welcome all of you to the house of the Lord. Romans chapter 8 and verse 11. The Bible reads, is so in the name of Jesus Christ. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. He who gave life, who raised Christ from the dead, will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. I want to speak to you uh, several minutes on this subject. The same spirit, the same spirit. Amen. Someone say, someone says the same spirit, the same spirit. Father, we thank you for your word and we pray that you would bring it to our uh, attention that you, we have the same spirit. And I pray, oh God, that um, you help us to understand it and to put it into practice. In Jesus name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated. When I look at the life of the apostles, for the apostles, the resurrection of Jesus Christ was the greatest element of the whole gospel. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. You look at all their preachings, uh, you look at their teachings, you look at the way they uh, evangelize or witness to others, and uh, you will almost always see that the resurrection of Jesus Christ uh, was kind of like the benchmark of their gospel. And, and when we contrast their preaching style to our preaching style, you'll notice that there is a great difference. There's a great difference. Many would say that the, the, the apostles were pretty boring, you know. Um, they were pretty simple. They had no homiletics. I mean, they didn't go to hermeneutics classes. Uh, they didn't go to Bible school um, for any of those. So they, they were pretty simple. However, when they did preach, they, pre they didn't have all the complexities that our modern-day preachers have. But when they did preach, they preached the gospel with great conviction. With great conviction. That's what's needed in today's day. Great conviction. We, we preach on all sorts of different topics. We preach on family. We preach on finances. We preach on blessings. We preach on church attendance. Uh, there, I mean, there's so many things that uh, we preach on. Trials and tribulations and how God wants to uh, keep us through all of that. But when the apostles preached, a careful study of the book of Acts shows us that they stay true to gospel preaching exclusively. They preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, Christ and him crucified. They preach the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, to the apostles, the most important aspect of the preaching was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so that's what they preached oftentimes. Christ was raised from the dead. You've got to understand, they witnessed, they were, they were firsthand witnesses. 
So to them, this is what's going to convince people that that God was really in Christ Jesus reconciling the world unto himself. So they, they were preaching the resurrection. They wanted people to know, hey, we were there. God raised him up. It gave proof to the fact that this is the Messiah. And so they kept preaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, Paul said in Romans chapter 1 and verse 4 that it was at the resurrection of Jesus Christ that Jesus or that Christ was declared the Son of God with power according to the Holy Spirit. It was at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He was declared the son of God with power by the Holy Spirit. I'm going to tell you, while Jesus was alive, not all of his disciples understood his words. Some, like Peter, had given up uh, at his death. When Christ died, he gave up and went back and into fishing. He was long gone. They had returned to their past occupations, and they thought it was over. They did not understand. They thought that he was bringing a physical, literal kingdom to overthrow Rome. And so this is what they thought. And when Jesus died, they felt, well, we don't have a kingdom. There is no king, so let's just get back to our own occupations. But it wasn't until the word got back early that Sunday morning from the Marys that the tomb was no longer occupied, that the disciples, the apostles believed and called him the son of God with power. With so much conviction that these women testify that both Peter and John ran to verify that Jesus was no longer in the tomb. John being younger uh, than uh, Peter was, and we know that because Peter by this time had a mother-in-law, which meant that he was married, so he was probably a little older. John was probably young enough because uh, he he lived, according to church history, to be, uh, you know, to till he was, till the late first century, almost into the second century, that's 60 years after uh, Jesus was gone. And so we know that John was probably one of the youngest ones in the crew at that time. So John, being a little younger than Peter, got to the tomb first. You know, he ran. As soon as they heard, they both took off. And the Bible said John got there first, but he wouldn't go in. He looked, he took a little peek, and he saw that the linen clothes were there, and he saw all of that stuff. He saw that there was no body, but he didn't go in. But Peter, Peter was over here, and he was running, and he was a little older. He got there a little later, but Peter had a lot to be forgiven for. He had just denied the Lord. He couldn't stand it to just take a little peek. The Bible said he ran into the tomb and he looked for himself and he saw everything. He, I, I believe Peter looked in every crevice and in every little corner to see did he really rise up from the dead? And listen, when this happened, when this happened, it was at that moment that everything changed for them. They went back and there were different men 
than they before they went into that tomb. When they saw the tomb, they left that tomb as different people. And that's why the Alpha and the Omega of the apostles preaching in the book of Acts was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's where everything changed for them. It's where they started to believe, wait a second, this is the Christ. This really is the Messiah. Our rabbi was not lying to us. He really rose from the dead. Nobody's ever been able to do this before. This is the Christ. You look at all their preaching, the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 1, verse 22, the disciple that was to replace Judas, the disciple that was to replace Judas had one job description, one job description, and it wasn't, you know, a fish fry for the youth camp next week. It wasn't, uh, you know, uh, accounting. It wasn't legal work. It wasn't administrative, administrative work. It wasn't leading the choir or driving the church bus. That's not what the apostle that took Judas's place was placed there for. That was not his job description. The one job description that the apostle ha had was that he was to become a witness of them of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You have to have been a witness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why? Because that's the main thing there were witnesses of. They wanted a witness to people that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead. As a matter of fact, in Acts chapter 2, that's what they preached. That's what Peter preached in the first sermon in the apostolic age. That's the first sermon. And what did he preach? You know, we talk a lot about Acts 2.38, and that's, that's great. That's our response to the gospel, Acts 2.38. That's our response to the question, what must we do? What must we do with all that we have received, what, the gospel that has been preached now how do we respond to that gospel that's our response but you know what we don't we hardly ever focus on the gospel itself just our response but Peter didn't focus on our response Peter focused on the gospel do you know what he preached on that day I'll read it to you he said men and brethren let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David that he is both dead and buried and his tomb is with us to this day therefore being a prophet and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his body according to the flesh he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne he foreseeing this spoke concerning the resurrection of the Christ that his soul was not left in Hades nor did his flesh see corruption this Jesus God has raised up of which we all are witnesses we are all witnesses can I can I tell you that's what Peter preached and what he was saying is look I can imagine if you go to Jerusalem you'll notice that the tomb of David is said to be almost right in front of where the uh, upper room was you know where where this sermon was was given I, I could almost imagine I don't know if he was still in the upper room if he was down below but if he was up in the upper room I could almost imagine that he was pointing out the window and saying, look at the patriarch David's tomb. It's right there. I mean, you know that he died. You know that he was buried. He's right there. His bones are still with us to this day. 
hey, he's still dead. So he said, listen, but when he spoke that his flesh would not see corruption, that his body would not go down to Hades, he was not talking of himself. Why? Because his bones are still buried today. He is still dead. No, he was a prophet. And what it was, he was foreseeing that centuries later, the Christ would come out of his loins. That's who he was speaking of. That Christ, we are all witnesses here that God raised him up from the dead and he is alive today. That's what he was preaching on that day. Resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then you go down to Acts chapter 4. As they spoke to the people, the priest, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. That's why they were disturbed because of the resurrection from the dead. Acts chapter 3 records the message that was preached and it had different elements of the gospel, but that's not what disturbed the Sadducees, the Pharisees, and the priests. What disturbed the priests and the Sadducees was the resurrection from the dead. That's what the apostles preached with great conviction, that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead, because it marked in all of history, the resurrection marked a before and after. That's what the resurrection did. In Acts chapter 4 and 33, however, the threat threats of prison and the threats of death could not stop them from preaching because right after they had been released from prison, they were put in prison for preaching about the resurrection. The Sadducees were mad. They put them in prison for preaching about the resurrection. But in verse 33, it says, when they were released with great power, the apostles gave witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And great grace was upon them all. With great power they gave witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is what they did. You know why? Because that's what the gospel was to them. They needed to preach the gospel under the threats of prison, under the threats of death. Nothing could stop them from preaching that Christ had truly risen from the dead. Amen. And that's still our message today. That Jesus Christ died and he was buried but that he rose again on the third day and he is alive forevermore even in this house today he is alive you see the resurrection wasn't just one of the aspects of the gospel it was the most important aspect of the gospel as a matter of fact, you know, uh, the book of, uh, uh, when, when Paul speaks, he says that you must confess with your mouth. If you want to be saved, what do you do? You confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. You must confess that. Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, let me tell you something to those who say, well, you know, if you just say it, yeah, that, that's all you need to do, and that's great. You just confess it with your mouth. Well, uh, listen, what you think he is saying is that you, if you confess that he is Savior, that you're going to make, that's not what he said. He said you must confess him to be Lord. See, Lord is not just the Savior. A Savior is someone who just saves you. Lord is someone you must obey. Lord is someone that has rule of, over you. Lord is a master. 
master. And so when you confess him to be Lord, what you're saying is we're going to obey. We're going to fall under you. We're going to follow your precepts and we're going to follow your instructions and your doctrines. That's what you're confessing. But that's not all that you confess. The Bible said you must confess him to be Lord and then comma, here comes Paul and he says, and you must believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. That is one aspect you cannot compromise on. The resurrection of the dead is the benchmark of Christian gospel. This is something you've got to preach. You've got to believe with all your heart. You can't just confess it with your mouth. You must believe that Jesus Christ rose up from the dead. The resurrection is the most powerful of all the elements of the gospel. That's why we sing the song, He is Lord. He is Lord. That's what you're confessing. He is Lord. But what does this next phrase says? He is risen from the dead and he is Lord. That's where you get it. He is both Lord, but he is also a risen Lord. He has risen from the dead. And we, we, we know that the resurrection was the most important aspect of the gospel because Paul starts out in 1 Corinthians 15 giving us a creed, kind of kind of like a, a saying that the first century church was, was saying over and over again. That's what a creed is. And to affirm what they believed. And uh, it, it was speaking of the gospel that had been delivered to him. And this is what he tells them. He says, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand by which also you are saved if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. He said, for I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received. So this is a creed that he has received. And what is it that he received? This is the gospel that he said, that Christ died for our sins, according to, our, to the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That's the gospel. That Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, and that he rose again according to the scriptures. But once he has done describing the gospel to them, then he tells them that if Christ be not risen, then our preaching is in vain and our faith is also in vain. What he's saying is, look, if, if really, if you want to know something, throw out his life, throw out his death, throw everything else out. Because if he did not rise up from the dead, your preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. You might as well close the doors to the church and go sell kolaches across the street because this whole thing is in vain. It makes absolutely no sense that we're here in the house. As a matter of fact, that's why the first century church began to have service on the Lord's Day, this first day of the week, according to church history. What For what reason? To commemorate the fact that Christ rose from the dead early on the first day of the week. That's why we come to service on a Sunday, because this is what we believe. This is what we affirm. Christ rose up from the dead. This is resurrection. Resurrection. Resurrection someday. 
every single. You don't have to wait to Easter to celebrate the fact that Christ is alive. Every Sunday you come to the house of God, you are affirming by being here. You are testifying by being here. You are saying with your lips and with your actions, in word and deed, Christ is alive. I believe it. I believe the gospel. He rose again. He was buried. He died, but he rose on the third day, and I believe that with all of my heart and with all of my soul. My God. There's an importance to the resurrection in today's day. What is that importance, preacher? The gospel we preach is still founded upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Thank God for his birth. Thank God for his ministry. Thank God for his death. But the resurrection is still the bedrock of our preaching. Because without it, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. Amen. That's what, that's what Paul said uh, in Acts chapter 17. After Paul preached Jesus to the crowd at Athens, he told them that God had given assurance of all of the things that Jesus had done all throughout his life and living a perfect life and all that, he had given assurance of all those things, Acts 17, 31 and 32. He had, he had given assurance of those things he had just preached to all by raising Jesus from the dead. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, they were mocked. They said, you know what? We believed everything you had said up to this point. But as soon as you started talking about the resurrection, they begin to mock them. They said, absolutely not. But you know what? That's what they preached. And they believed that this, if you don't believe the resurrection from the dead, then you don't believe anything else that happened before that. Because it was a resurrection. That's what validates Christ's death as Messiah for us. Because a whole lot of other people have died. Everybody has died. So what makes that man's death our substitutionary atonement? What makes that man's death the, the reason why the chastisement of our peace was put on him? And now we have his righteousness and he took upon our sins. What makes his death any different? You know what the apostle Paul said? God gave assurance that this was the Messiah. How? He rose him up from the dead. No other man has risen from the dead. The resurrection from the dead is the evidence that that proves to us this is the Messiah. His death is our substitutionary atonement. By his grace, by his stripes, we are healed. And that was the evidence of it, the resurrection. Now, uh, if you look all throughout, you'll see the resurrection is what distinguishes Christianity from every other religion. It's the resurrection. You see, no other God can make our God's declarations. John said that when he saw him in the book of Revelation, when he saw him, he fell at his feet as dead, as though he was dead. And then he said, uh, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, fear not. I am the first and the last. I am he that lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Let me tell you, no other God can make those declarations. 
Amen. Some gods, you know, lowercase g, some gods have said while they were alive, I am alive. I am alive. But no God has ever said, I am alive, but I was dead. No other God has ever made those declarations. The only one that can make those declarations is the risen Christ. That's what makes the difference between our faith and every other religion. Our God rose up from the dead. That is the bedrock of our gospel. He rose up from the dead. Muhammad is still buried in Medina. Buddha was incinerated and his ashes were scattered across Asia. Confucius, Confucius is buried in China and Krishna is somewhere in India. Their tombs are still with us as evidence of their mortality. They all lived. They all died. They were all buried and now they're in eternity somewhere. But when you get to the tomb of Jesus, you will notice there's still a sign up in Jerusalem that will give you a welcome. You know what that sign says? It says, why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. He is risen. My God. Other religions call for transcendental meditation. Other religions call for, or they send you to a place, or if you pray towards a certain place, or if you do this, or if you do that. Some ask you for sacrifices. Some ask you to flagellate yourself. But our God says, I'm not sending you to a place. He doesn't say, I'm going to give you a little meditation. None of that. He says, call unto me and I will answer. Call unto to me and I will answer. You know who can say that? Only a living God can say that. Only a living God can say, I'm still your answer. I'm not going to send people. I'm not going to send messengers. I will answer myself. You know why the resurrection is important for us today? Because it's proof that God's word Word is faithful. God's word. That's what 1 Corinthians 15, 4 said. That he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. What scriptures was he talking about? He was talking about the Old Testament. The Old Testament. They still, the New Testament had not yet been compiled yet, written yet. But he was, but what he was saying is he rose from the dead according to now. You've heard of all the prophecies about his death. But, you know, where do you get prophecies about the resurrection? Well, I'm, I'm glad you asked, you know, because you always seem to ask the right questions. This is it. 700 years before Christ's death in Isaiah, prophet Isaiah prophesied not only that he was going to die, but that he was going to live and come back from the dead. He was wounded for our transgressions, Isaiah 53 and 5. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. That's, that's, that's pretty powerful. But if you go down in that same chapter, he's giving you the prophecy concerning the resurrection, I mean the uh, death of Jesus Christ, concerning the death of Jesus Christ. And you'll see that whole prophecy there, very popular, very strong. But then if you go down to verse 10 and 11, this is what it reads. 
and it pleased the Lord to bruise him. That is still his death. He was, he has put him to grief. Now watch this. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. I'm going to ask you, how can you be bruised? How can you die and still see your seed and still see the pleasure of the Lord prospering in your hand and still see the labor of your soul and be satisfied? How can you do these things if you've died? The only way that you can do this is if you're going to rise from the dead. If you're going to rise up again, then you shall see your seed. Then you shall see the pleasure of the Lord prospering in your hand. Then you you will see the labor of your soul and then you will be satisfied if you were risen from the dead and I'm here to report to you this was a prophecy that was given 700 years before the resurrection from the dead 700 years before the resurrection up from the dead because of the re resurrection and its fulfillment of prophecy 700 years later do you know what that tells us today that we we can believe the rest of the word of the Lord. We can believe every single page in your Bible is worth believing. Why? Because whenever God has spoken something in the scriptures, it all came to pass. Look back and you'll see when he prophesied his death, it happened just as it happened, as it was written. It happened just as it was written. When he prophesied that he, would to be, that he was going to be buried, it happened just as it was written when it when it prophesied that he was going to be raised from the dead it happened just as it was written the word of the lord is true the word of the lord is right the word of the lord is trustworthy 700 years before and th this comes to pass you know what that lets me know listen there are some things in the word god bless you there are some things in the word i'm going tell you right now that have not yet come to pass as of yet but don't you dismay don't you lose heart these people went these people died without seeing the death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ and many of them said well you know I guess that prophecy will never come to life and no listen it was for 700 years later you don't know when Christ is going to return we don't know if it's going to be tonight if it's going to be tomorrow if it's going to be three months from now if it's going to be 30 years from now or 3,000 years from now we really don't know but but one thing we know, we believe, we trust, we know because he is not a man that he should lie. He is not the son of man that he should repent. We believe every single word in here because 700 years before it was said that he was going to die, be buried, and rise again. And because 
because he was risen from the dead, we can trust the word of the Lord to be legit, legitimate, and to be the truth. Listen, if you can trust the word, then you can trust it when it says you are more than a conqueror through Christ. Amen. You can trust the word when it says you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You can trust the word of God when it tells you that he shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. You can trust the rest of the word for you. You can trust that because of the resurrection from the dead. Woo. Thank God for the resurrection from the dead. And I, I'm almost, I'm, I'm bringing this to a conclusion, but I'm excited for the last part of this. There's, there's a reason I'm giving you this foundation here. Now, listen, through the resurrection, there, there's, there's, there's something important about the resurrection. Why is it important for us? Because through the resurrection, we have a hope for our own resurrection. We have a hope for our own resurrection. When the dead in Christ shall rise first. 1 Corinthians 15 says that Christ was the first fruits of all of them who slept. That is, he was the first one to ever do it. That's the OG in my vernacular. That's the OG. He's the first one to ever do it. He went, he rose up from the dead. He looked at hell in the grave and said, oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory. Amen. Hallelujah. He rose from the dead. He defeated death. He took the keys of hell and the grave. And now he's got all power in his hand. He's got power over death. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now, because of that, he is the first fruits of all of them that slept. Now you can rest assured that on the day when the trumpet sounds, if you are dead in that tomb, it doesn't matter how long ago you died, but because Jesus Christ defeated death, death for those who believe in Jesus has lost its sting. Death can no longer keep you in that grave. Death has no authority over you. Your body will be reassembled together. Your skin and tendons and, and veins and blood will come back. Amen. And when the dead in Christ shall rise first, I'm going to be the first one to say, here I am. Amen. I don't know how far along that's going to be, but if I'm dead, if the Lord shall tarry, I am going to be raised at the resurrection from the dead because he rose from the dead. I'll tell you another reason why the resurrection is important. Because if God was able to perform the greatest of all miracles, that was come back from the dead. That is the, the greatest and most powerful enemy was dead. See, while there is life, there's still hope. When you're dead, there's nothing. Nothing. Right? But if God could defeat the greatest of all the enemies, that's death, then any other miracle is possible for him. If God defeated the worst, what makes you think that he can't defeat smaller enemies? Let me translate that for you. If God can defeat death, God can defeat cancer. 
if God can defeat death, God can defeat COVID. Amen. If God can defeat death, God can defeat high blood pressure. If God can defeat death, God can defeat depression. If God can defeat death, there is nothing impossible for our God. That's why we still believe, amen, that these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out demons. They shall speak with new tongues. You go down that verse. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. We still believe if God rose up from the dead, He's still a miracle-working God today. He can still do the impossible in our lives. That's important for us. Death was to be the last enemy. No man of his own accord had ever defeated death. Death had conquered everybody. Everybody. All people. Men, women, black, white, rich, poor, weak, strong, large, small, taller, tall or short. But Jesus, resurrection was the biggest miracle in the history of mankind. And if he could defeat that, there is nothing in your life he cannot defeat. Somebody say amen to that. Do you truly believe that? Nothing in your life that God cannot defeat. And lastly, I'll get to my last and best of all the points that I have here. And that is, we'll go back to our text. Because I entitled this the same spirit, the same spirit. And if you've ever taken any little class on homiletics, you'll notice you haven't said a thing about the spirit. Why would you entitle this the same spirit if there's not one reference to the spirit? You've been talking about the resurrection this whole time. So why the spirit? I'm, again, I'm really glad you asked that. And I will show you, I, I'm not chasing bunnies. I'm not off track here. There's a whole method to my madness. You see, what I've been trying to do is I've been trying to establish a point, and that is how important the resurrection is to us, to our Christian walk, our Christian faith, how powerful. It was the worst of all enemies, and God defeated death by raising up Jesus from the dead through the Holy Spirit. Romans 1, 4, it says, through the Holy Spirit of the Spirit of holiness. Through that, God raised up Jesus from the dead. Whatever that spirit is, that's pretty powerful because it defeated the worst of all the enemies. So would you agree that that's a pretty powerful spirit? Great. I'm glad you said Yes, because here is the deal for us. This is what excites me about all of this. You go back to the text. But if the spirit, Romans 8, 11, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, we've already established that's got to be a powerful spirit. It raised Jesus from the dead. It could defeat anything, right? That's a powerful spirit. Well, then, watch this. This is the whole point of the sermon. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. My God, I just preached a message right there. And if you missed it, you missed it. But here's the whole thing. The whole message is this. The same spirit that 
raised Christ Jesus from the dead, defeated death, hell, the grave, every devil in the hell, that same spirit that did everything that nobody else could ever do, raise a man from the dead, and now it becomes the bedrock of our salvation and our gospel and our Bible. Without it, we cannot even be saved. If that spirit is that powerful, it raised Christ Jesus from the dead, and then Paul just adds in there, just as a little, oh, by the way, it says, that spirit dwells in you. That spirit dwells in you. If we ever got that revelation that you have whatever raised Christ Jesus from the dead, you would stop walking by yourself and lonely and depressed and anxious and anxiety. If you would just get a revelation, I've got the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. I've got the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. I'm telling you, if you've got that same spirit, then you have a testimony that you are the child of God. And if you're a child, you are also an heir of his promises and a co-heir with Jesus Christ. It is that spirit that is interceding on your behalf. It is that spirit that is casting away every evil spirit. It is that spirit by his grace we are saved saved. It is that spirit that's convicting the world of their sins. It is that same spirit that gave Jesus wisdom. It is in that spirit that he went into temptation and out of temptation. It is through that same spirit that he cast out devils. It is through the spirit of God that he raised up the dead and that he healed the sick. And that same spirit is the one that dwells in you. Woo! That's the name of the Lord. If you ever got that revelation, my friends and my, let me tell you, your small group would never be the same. You wouldn't just go into a small group thinking, oh, this is just a, we're just going to have a little fellowship and a little fun. You ought to go into your small group thinking, let me walk with the rest of the mothers. But just in case there's a sick one in there, we are going to pray on their behalf. And God is going to do the miraculous. God is going to heal. God is going to restore. God is going to convict. God is going to bring back. I'm telling you, you should never walk into your Sunday school room or your church or your small group with the mentality, I'm just here to receive. You have been given gifts by the Holy Spirit to minister to the whole church. You should come in saying, who can I minister to? How can I talk? God, give me a word. God, give me a give me a promise. Give me something that I may impart what you have given me. I've got the same spirit that rose Christ Jesus from the dead. When you get that revelation, revival is coming. When you get that revelation,
nation, every devil in Sugarland is going to have to flee. When the church gets that revelation, there's going to be a great revival to break out. When we get the revelation that the spirit that is in you rose Christ Jesus from the dead. The same spirit that's in you rose Christ Jesus from the dead. Just a Thursday, a Thursday afternoon, I went to get my hair cut at the barber shop. And while I was there, uh, you know, they know that I'm a, I'm a minister. And, uh, you know, they're all cutting up and talking barbershop talk, stuff you can't say from behind this pulpit. And, uh, but all of a sudden, out of nowhere, one of the barbers said, hey, 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 men of God, I, I need you to come here real quick. I said, yes, sir. They turned down the music, and he said, uh, sir, uh, my, my client here just told me that his uncle is really critical in the hospital. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know about all of y'all, and I'm, I'm really sorry if you're not Christian or whatever, but uh, that's a man of God, and I want, him to, I want him to pray over my client right now. And so all the barbers came. They all took their hats off. Uh, everybody came. I mean, half a fro on this side. You know, it, we're at a barber shop. Everybody paused. The music was turned down. And I came over. And I'm telling you, at first, I, I had a little, I had a, you know, I said, ooh, boy, this is a little, you know, I've never really done this. But I came over. And, you know, the first thought that came to me, you've got the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. And it dwells in you and you know what I got there and I said hey one of y'all got I know I said by the way does any of you have a little oil that I can uh, put on this man and everybody looked at each other and one of the guys said well I, I hate to admit this but I actually got a little olive oil in my backpack that I keep there for emergencies and he went out and he grabbed me a little oil and we lay I laid hands on that man and began to pray over at the barber shop this thing went on for about five minutes minutes, the barbers who had just been talking about all sorts of nonsense, those same barbers were in there and they began to lift their hands and I said, I'm not just going to pray for him. I might as well start praying for the whole shop and I started praying for every barber. It went on for about five minutes. People that had not, I'm telling you, you are, you're not a nobody. You've got the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. You better start acting like it. You better start acting like there's something in you that can change this world. You better start acting like what's in you has caused the before and after in all of history. The same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. Right now, would you lift your hands all over this building? Hallelujah. I want you to appropriate that message to your life. I want you to truly believe that message with everything you have. I really want you to, I really want you to say, God, use my life. Use my hands. Use my feet. Use me for your glory, oh God. Lord, whatsoever you have in store for my life, use me, Lord. God, we have been given manifold 
gifts because you have given gifts to men by your Holy Spirit, diversity of gifts for the edification of the church. And I pray, oh God, that you would begin to minister to each one of us that we may, through your Holy Spirit, begin, oh God, to activate those gifts. That we begin through the Holy Spirit, oh God, to become to move, oh God, move what needs to be moved. Talk what needs to be talked. Rebuke what needs to be rebuked by the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. The same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. I pray that that same spirit is in us, oh God, this morning. I pray, Lord, whoever is battling with sickness and disease, oh God, that in your providence that you would heal, that you would touch, that you would deliver, oh God, if it's in your will. But I pray, oh Lord, if it's not something that you want to do, if you want to use it for your glory, then I pray that you give them the four that you give them oh god that the ability to suffer a long time with it a long suffering and i pray that through that that it would become a testimony for your glory that's what we live for for your glory for your glory you've given us power so that you may be glorified through them and i pray oh lord that we would use this power and these gifts for those purposes in the name of jesus christ we pray in jesus name we pray